Informing America's Farmers and Ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for joining us. Hope you're having a good day. Coming up today, we're going to talk about planting. Progress continues to roll right along. We're going to get reports from Nebraska and also from North Dakota. Kevin Skunas, president of the National Corn Growers Association, will join us. We'll find out about planting in his state, his area, and also want to talk, of course, about RFS and some other issues. Uh, We're going to talk about... uh, impact of drought and fire in Oklahoma when it comes to their beef industry. We're going to talk with Daryl Peel, Oklahoma State Extension Livestock Specialist, and get an update, some assessment on the damage that has been done there uh, so far. So we'll get an update on that. But I mentioned the RFS, yet another meeting, perhaps the last one on this uh, topic, perhaps, uh, being held uh, today at, at the White House. And joining us now is the National Energy Markets Reporter for Reuters, Jarrett Renshaw. Jarrett, thanks for joining us again. Uh, what do you expect uh, from this meeting? Who all is going to be there? Sure, uh, and happy to be here. Uh, we are reporting that uh, Senator Senators Grassley Ernst will be there, along with Senators Cruz and Senator Toomey from uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, we also learned this morning that uh, Secretary Purdue and Secretary Pruitt will also be in attendance, and I'm sure some staff levels, but those are the principals that will be there. Um, and in terms of what we're expecting, uh, you know, I think the best thing to say is I think we're expecting some finality, right? I think we're expecting some kind of final decision on what the White House approach will be. Um, and there's been some indications, at least going into the meeting, that, that the White House is both publicly, both Pruitt and, and Trump, have supported the um, you know the E15 waiver, um, uh, the RVP waiver. So uh, I think that's the only thing that I'd feel confident going into that at least that's going to be some part of it, uh, whatever whatever comes out of it. Yeah, that's the renewable fuels industry. That's what they're pushing for to get that uh, uh, that waiver for E15 sales for year round. Now we've already heard reports from some saying that will not alone offset the damage that has been done by the granting of these waivers. Uh, you continue to do a lot of great reporting on these waivers. We're learning more about them and the amount uh, that they uh, they have meant the amount of money they've meant to some of these refineries. And it's it's kind of staggering in some cases that this has been going on without us even realizing it, and just how much money is involved here. Sure. Yeah, I think uh, uh, last night and then this morning, I guess Endeavor, uh, uh, which is one of the largest U.S. refining companies, reported about $100 million in savings from its uh, small refinery exemption. So, And uh, CVR, which is uh, owned by, uh, largely owned by Car Icon, reported significant savings as well. So th- there's no doubt that um, these small refining re-exemptions are um, a, a pretty significant financial benefit to these refiners. Um, and it, it's kind of unclear to me. I mean, there seems to be this is a complicated issue. It's hard to imagine there's going to be any resolution in this, on this particular front um, today with the meeting. You, you'd have to expect that the Iowa senators will, will certainly raise this issue and try to get it in front of the president in some, some meaningful way. Um, but you know, the, I always say the toothpaste is out of the jar at this point. I, I'm not exactly sure legally uh, how you put all this, you know, back in. And, and, and if you do it without any kind of legislative changes, I'm not so sure that, you know, you're gonna, just going to find yourself in court uh, over and over mm-hmm. again. So I think there's still a lot to be, uh, a, 
a lot more chapters in this story in terms of the small refinery exemptions and, and how it will play out over the next uh, few months. Yeah, because we don't know where it goes from here. I mean, out of this meeting today, does it just come out that, okay, uh, renewable fuels industry, you get your E15 waiver, but to Ted Cruz and the, the oil industry, we're going to say we're going to keep uh, uh, granting these waivers. So, I mean, is that the win-win that the, the, the White House sees it? Uh, you know, they're always looking for those win-wins appease both sides. You think it's something like that could come out of this? You know, it's hard to say. You know, the one thing that I we have tried and we – unsuccessfully at this point, um, is to kind of tie the White House uh, and specifically uh, in Pruitt as well to, to the decisions for the uh, small refinery exemptions and the expansion. You know, folks like to point out that there was a legal decision um, that tr- that's driving these expansions. Um, and But uh, we certainly, you know, other people are a little cynical of that argument and think this is a kind of a, a policy preference. So, I'm reluctant to tie the small refinery exemptions to a, a to a state of policy of the the White House and Trump, um, particularly given that the backlash. So to tie that that to the actual the, the the RVP waiver, I think would 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 anger a lot of uh, uh, biofuel folks because that would then make it clear that this was the intended policy as opposed to just something like our hands are tied, which I think gives the the administration a little more of an out. So I'd be interested to see how they explain it. You know, my, my, my suspicion is they'll explain it, uh, that this was their hands were tied and, and not link the e, uh, E15 waiver to the small refinery exemptions. But that's, that's speculation. Well, that's kind of what Administrator Pruitt said so far, right? He's kind of cloaked himself in the statute and said, I'm just following the rules here. For sure. Yeah, he's certainly given himself that during the hearings. That's that's what he kept referring to. But clearly, something's changed, right? You had uh, you had eight, 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 six, eight uh, refinery exemptions uh, in 2015, and for most of 16 until it changed, and then you had an expansion. So clearly, something's changed, right? And uh, you know whether how much that has to do with a legal challenge or how much has to do with a policy preference. Or how they, um, you know, uh, so I think it's still unclear to me, um, and and frankly, I think it's unclear to everybody because the the program is is there's not much transparency in the program. So scrutinizing and and trying to come away with any conclusions about what the administration is doing is nearly impossible in absence of any any data or any documents or anything to 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 to, to look at. So I think we're kind of in the dark, and anybody that says they know what the the, the you know. The, the Trump administration is doing, it may not be telling you the whole truth because it, it, it's hard to tell at this point. Meanwhile, hearings going on today also when it comes to electric vehicles. Uh, yes, uh, there's, uh, I forget what committee it is, but there's a committee looking into this issue. Uh, yeah, that's certainly getting a lot. Uh, there, there's, there's, a, there's been a lot of connective tissue between the issue of uh, fuel efficiency uh, uh, and, and new fuel standards and the uh, the biofuel industry. And this, this is part of it. I think there's certainly um, uh, a lot of biofuel groups that are going to be at this at this hearing uh, talking about uh, their their stated position. So it's interesting how the cars have kind of come into the come into the broader debate of the RFS, and and, and I think uh, they're a group that often gets overlooked in terms of what their say is and how they can influence some of these kind of policy outcomes. Well, we hope for some kind of finality on this RFS issue after today, but somehow I don't think it's going to be. (laughs) That won't be the case. We'll still have this to talk about, right? All right. 
Jared, thanks. Great reporting that you do. We'll, we'll keep following you. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you. That's Jarrett Renshaw, National Energy Markets Reporter for Reuters. Does a great job covering uh, uh, these uh, energy issues. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk with uh, Daryl Peel, Oklahoma State Extension Livestock Specialist. Kind of a, his assessment of of uh, the damage done in Oklahoma with the fires and, of course, the ongoing drought. Uh, a lot of damage done and a lot of a real toll taken on the beef industry there. And, a lot of need moving forward as they try to recover. We'll get the, the very latest on that. Also coming up, we're going to talk with the president of the National Corn Growers Association, Kevin Skunas. He'll be talking about this RFS issue as well. So lots yet to come here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Stay with us. Around 3500 BC, someone used basic tools and slabs of wood to invent the wheel. Genius. In 1879, Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. Genius. In 1899, a Norwegian with degrees in electronics, science, and mathematics invented the paperclip. Genius. There's genius, and then there's pure genius. At BASF, that's what drove us to develop Ingenia Herbicide, our most advanced dicamba formulation ever for dicamba-tolerant cotton and soybeans. It gives you a low-volatility solution at the lowest dicamba use rate ever offered, providing an additional site of action to outsmart the toughest weeds, even the glyphosate-resistant ones. Grow smart with Ingenia Herbicide from BASF, a flexible solution that's pure genius. Talk to your representative today. Learn more at ingeniaherbicide.com. BASF, we create chemistry. Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA restricted use pesticide. Always read and follow label directions. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heart for a mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, 
the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider. Vermont and New York Banking Departments. Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. It has been a tough start to 2018 for folks in Oklahoma um, with the ongoing drought and with the fires there. To give us some assessment of the situation, we are joined now by Dr. Daryl Peel, Oklahoma State Extension Livestock Specialist. Daryl, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. Okay, so... um, as you've looked at this situation now uh, after the fires uh, and try to kind of get a handle on the damage assessment, uh, what can you tell us at this point? Well, obviously, uh, you know, the fires have been a major devastation. Uh, it took a long time to get them under control. Uh, we did actually get a little bit of rain that helped to do that. But, uh, you know, in the aftermath now, uh, we, we burned uh, nearly 350,000 acres in Oklahoma in largely in two major fires uh, and some smaller ones. Um, and so uh, this has left, uh, obviously, a lot of cattle displaced uh, and a lot of damage in the wake of the fires. And, so, and of course, the broader area of drought means that uh, we're not seeing uh, you know, much recovery and, and at this point uh, don't anticipate much recovery in terms of the pastures as a result of the ongoing drought. All right, so obviously the damage and the harm goes beyond dollars and cents but from a financial standpoint what kind of numbers can you put on it well i did some estimates you know based on what we know a lot of the information is is preliminary it's it's fairly fluid but uh when you when you look at the the big cost uh in a fire uh, typically is is going to be the fencing uh fencing cost replacement and repair of damaged fence um, and that's a big number, um, about $16 million, uh, alone just for the fence part. Uh, I estimated another $1.4 million uh, for loss of livestock. Um, uh, we're currently estimating about uh, 1,600 head of cattle uh, and calves died in the fire. Um, we had uh, loss of corrals and facilities, uh, six-plus million. Uh, emergency feed will be a million and a half or more. And, uh, and, you know, upwards of three-quarters of a million uh, just uh, for the loss of the uh, actual pasture and some hay that burned up in the fire. So when you put it all together, my total estimate at this point in time comes to a little over $26 million. Wow, staggering numbers. And as we've seen uh, in fires in the past, whether it was Kansas last year, wherever it may be, uh, these are long-term uh, uh, situations just just for example, just rebuilding fence takes a long, long time. It really does. It, it's a it's a very long process for these operations that were affected to rebuild physically in terms of replacing facilities and fence, um, and and uh, replacing animals and dealing with the animals that they have that are injured uh, as a result of the fire. Um, and then uh, financially, of course, it's going to take uh, these operations uh, some number of years. And, and, you know, I should point out that my estimates made no attempt to actually include the personal losses that many of these families suffered. So this did not include any estimates for the, uh, 
for the homes that burned, the personal property that was lost in the fire as well. I was solely focused on the, specifically on the cattle industry-related things. So, uh, you know, we're talking a, a, a lot of damage financially and as well as uh, an emotional toll on these families that will take a long time to heal. I was going to say that emotional, psychological toll is uh, uh, a big part of this as well. We're talking with Dr. Darrell Peel, Oklahoma State Extension Livestock Specialist. All right, Darrell, when we look specifically at the uh, at the beef industry in Oklahoma, kind of give us your thoughts on the impact there and, and moving forward now, trying to recover from this. Well, you know, I think it depends on what the drought does. Uh, if it should start raining, uh, you know, right away and on a sustained basis, uh, and if you'll remember, that's kind of what happened last year when we had the, the fires up in the Panhandle and, and in Kansas and Texas as well as Oklahoma. Um, we could see relatively rapid recovery of the land um, uh, in terms of the actual forage base. Um, and uh, but short of that, um, you know, there, there'll be no recovery for these folks. So they're going to be looking at uh, extended need to feed cattle, uh, or obviously at some point probably having to either uh, relocate those animals or perhaps uh, uh, liquidate some of those numbers. And that's going to be an issue beyond the wildfire for producers generally in that region uh, as a result of the drought. Um, we're at a critical time right now when forage growth normally really takes off, and if that doesn't happen in the next uh, six to eight weeks, uh, we're going to see major uh, impacts that go well beyond just the, the burned area. Have you seen much indication of liquidation at this point? I have not. I don't think there's been much liquidation. You know, we're coming through the winter, uh, past the winter. That, uh, you know, that location out there is mostly warm season grasses that really don't come on until about May. Uh, so most producers were kind of in the mode of, of uh, sort of normal uh, things. But, you know, you count on that green up in, in May to uh, be able to move those, cattles to pack, those cattle to pasture. Uh, hay supplies are very tight in that area. They were tight even before the fire and, and with the additional emergency feed demand even more so. So uh, I don't think there's been much liquidation yet, and it probably will take a few more weeks before we would get into it. But if, if this thing persists and the drought area uh, not only persists at the current level but continues to get bigger, uh, then we could see significant uh, uh, you know, impacts on, on many operations as we move particularly into June, I think. So there's still a need for hay. There is a need for hay. Uh, again, the most immediate emergency need is is, is for those producers uh, as a result of the wildfire. But uh, but again, um, um, hay supplies are very tight in the region, um, and and uh, for those producers uh, in the drought area, uh, it's going to be just as big an impact on them in just a, a few short weeks if if things don't change. How about caring for those animals that have gone through this? Uh, what's that recovery period like for them? Well, there's a wide range of impacts on the animals. Uh, you know, some of them are, are uh, survived the fire but are so badly damaged that they just have to be salvaged. Uh, at a, you know, in terms of marketing those animals, there's uh, there's other animals that can recover with uh, you know with with lots of veterinary care. There's lots of uh, orphan baby calves that folks are helping out um, and and taking these calves and bottle feeding them uh, to try to save some of those animals uh, for the uh, for the families that have been impacted by this. Yeah, what about displaced animals? I mean, are the, are people still trying to find their cattle? 
you know, it's only been a few days since I heard, uh, you know, anecdotal stories that producers were saying, you know, I've got, uh, you know, 20 head of cows in, over in one area that I can't find. But on the other hand, I've got 15 cows that belong to somebody that uh, somebody else. And, and so, uh, yeah, I think there's still some of that going on out there where we're trying to sort out exactly what survived and where did they end up and, and just figure out exactly what the numbers are. And that's part of the reason why my estimates obviously are preliminary. Any relief in sight in that weather forecast? Well, not for the foreseeable future. Um, you know, we're just now really getting into some sort of typically or maybe a little above average warm weather. April was a well uh, cooler than average month, um, and so we were delayed on pasture development a bit because of that. Uh, but it's very, very dry. Now with warmer weather, the dryness will become uh, even more critical very quickly. And, and uh, certainly the, uh, the short-term forecast here for the next 8 to 14 days doesn't offer a lot of uh, uh, potential for relief in them. Yeah, you can rebuild fence and things like that, but uh, you can't make it rain. So this, those numbers you gave us, I mean, those numbers could go considerably higher if you don't get some uh, rain. That's right. We could see a significant amount of, of, uh, of impacts there. Some of those, you know, if we get into a drought liquidation kind of a situation, uh, some of those animals would be relocated to other areas where forage is more plentiful. Uh, some would go to slaughter. Um, it, you just don't really know exactly how it will play out, but uh, there's, there certainly could be a lot of impacts. And, and the area is expanding rapidly and may expand even more rapidly with the warm temperatures that we've got in place now uh, without some immediate rains. I'm sure there's been a good uh, response from people around the country uh, with donations and help. There has been. You know, one of the things about this industry is, is folks always step up to help, and, and that is, you know, so greatly appreciated. Uh, there is a continuing need, so I would say that it's, it's probably not over yet. Um, you know, folks are, are still really just beginning to deal with the aftermath, particularly of those fire areas, and so there, there will be a continuing need for some time to come. And uh, various forms of help. There are donations, of course. I know there's appeals for, for uh, federal help, uh, a lot of different things, but some of those things take time. They do take time. Um, yeah, eventually the recovery will happen. The, the land will recover. Most of the operations will recover, we presume. The animals will be uh, uh, replaced and, and so on. But in the short run, um, you know, money always helps. It can be used for whatever is needed, but there's lots of, uh, you know, lots of folks helping out with hay, with fencing supplies, with labor. Um, you mentioned the difficulty of replacing uh, that much fence, and, and obviously one of the biggest challenges is just the labor it takes to do that. And so there's a tremendous need for, uh, for some, some help to, uh, to clean up uh, damaged fence and put in new fence. All right, Daryl, thanks for being with us and giving us an assessment of the situation there in Oklahoma. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Take care. Dr. Daryl Peel, Oklahoma State Extension Livestock Specialist. All right, coming up next, Kevin Skunas from North Dakota, president of the National Corn Growers Association. His thoughts on this RFS situation, and we'll get a planting update from North Dakota as well. So stay with us on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. In 1847, Hanson Crockett Gregory invented the double genius. In 1908, Melita Benz invented the paper coffee filter. Genius. In 1928, Otto Frederick Rowetter invented sliced bread. Genius. In 1930, Ruth Wakefield invented the chocolate chip cookie. 
Mmm, genius. There's genius, and then there's pure genius. At BASF, that's what drove us to develop Ingenia Herbicide, our most advanced dicamba formulation ever for dicamba-tolerant cotton and soybeans. It gives you a low-volatility solution at the lowest dicamba use rate ever offered, providing an additional site of action to outsmart the toughest weeds, even the glyphosate-resistant ones. Grow smart with Ingenia Herbicide from BASF, a flexible solution that's pure genius. Talk to your representative today. Learn more at IngeniaHerbicide.com. BASF, we create chemistry. Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA-restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label directions. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Corn and soybean futures rising overnight as traders look to end the recent losing streak in the markets. But sustaining this turnaround Tuesday could prove to be difficult, according to the wire talk, with the underlying supply-demand outlook not conducive to higher prices. Grain traders have one eye on China, another on Iran. While trade tensions between Washington and Beijing have dominated the news feeds, market folks will be looking to see whether President Trump withdraws from the Iran nuclear deal as expected later on on this Tuesday. Gyrations in energy prices and the U.S. dollar could have a knockoff effect on commodities. USDA estimating that 39% of the corn crop was planted as of Sunday. That's up from 17% the previous week. Last week's planting progress lagging the five-year average pace by only five points compared to the previous week when planting lagged by 10 points. Soybean planting, 15% of the crop planted as of Sunday, two points ahead of the five-year average. Spring wheat nationwide, 30% planted as of Sunday, well behind the average pace of 51%. Minneapolis spring wheat futures trending two and a fraction higher an hour into the trading day. Two to three better in Chicago wheat, fraction to a penny and a fraction higher in Kansas City. One to two higher in corn with soybean futures four to five cents higher in early activity. Livestock at the Merck and live cattle futures, a narrow mix, 27 cents on either side of steady for the front three contracts of the market. Feeder cattle trending 72 to $1.35 lower. Lean hog futures 37 to 87 cents higher. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow down 41, S&P down 5, June crude oil in New York down 86 cents, 69.88. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free Endless Pool Idea Kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. Glad to have with us the president of the National Corn Growers Association from North Dakota, Kevin Skunas. Hi, Kevin. How are you? 
Morning, Mike. I'm very good. Glad to be on. How much planning have you got done? Oh, so we're, uh, I, I guess we're maybe about a fourth done with our corn in that in that range. Uh, you know, it's kind of drying up here a little bit. Uh, guys are getting rolling the last few days, and now about a third of an inch of rain this morning. So we're just kind of sitting around. Uh, we'll wait for the sun to come out, then we'll hit it hard again. All right, so we caught you at a good time then. You're waiting to, for it to dry out enough to go back out, right? Yep, absolutely. You bet. Well, a chance for you to get caught up on a lot of things because you're, I know you're watching a lot of different fronts here, and, in fact, you have, have joined your voice and the voice of the corn growers in urging the, the president to, uh, to address this RFS situation, that meeting going on today at the White House. Uh, what are you hoping comes out of this? Well, yeah, so we're hoping the meeting, uh, you know, it's supposed to take place around 11 o'clock today, and, and we're hoping that, uh, you know, President Trump uh, goes in there and, and we come up with a decision on, on you know, being able to sell blends higher than E10 all year round, and that's the reed vapor pressure that we've been talking about. You know, in, in his April meeting, he, uh, you know, uh, talked about support for that, but nothing has happened on that yet. So we hope that we'll move forward in that because we know that that'll mean extra gallons of ethanol, which means extra renewable identification numbers in the market, which would drive the price of, of, the, of the rims down. We hope that there would not have to be anything else done in that market if we can sell more ethanol, which is good for the uh, farmers, good for the environment, and good for the consumers because we believe that uh, ethanol you know, lowers the price of gas and it uh, helps to clean up our air. Is an E15 waiver alone enough, or are you hoping to see some clarity uh, uh, on this waiver issue for these uh, small refineries, or what supposedly are small refineries, the granting of waivers uh, by EPA? Are you wanting some uh, uh, some transparency and some changes there, too? Oh, we would certainly like to certainly see some transparency on that, because you know, we understand there's been at least a couple of dozen uh, small refiners that have been granted waivers over the last uh, few months or so. You know, we believe that to be somewhere around 1.6 billion gallons worth of ethanol that's been waived for the small refiners. And, and we want some transparency on that because the, the refineries, you know, are have some record profits going on. And they're supposed to, you know, prove economic hardship before they're granted these waivers. And we'd just like to, uh, you know, we'd like to see that either proven or just outright stopped because this is demand destruction if these waivers keep going forward. And it's just undermining, you know, what the RFS is doing if we have all of these waivers without them, you know, proving economic hardship granting these waivers. All right, let's switch now to the Farm Bill and Secretary Purdue is uh, kind of helping rally the support for this as he urged at a meeting last night uh, the importance of helping farmers, especially with the trade threats uh, with China. Um, he's also uh, working with Chairman Conaway uh, to tell people that rural America is hurting now and really needs this farm bill and that safety net. We understand that House Majority Whip Steve Scalise plans to begin whipping the bill tomorrow. Chairman Conway will be holding listening sessions, and he's working to get more Republicans on board, working with uh, uh, the conservative uh, groups, uh, the Freedom Caucus, and uh, trying to make sure get support there because it doesn't look like there'll be 
maybe any Democratic vote, so he's got to make sure he's got the, the support of his own party. What are your thoughts on this farm bill that has come out of the House, Kevin? Uh, what are corn growers like about it? Do you have concerns about it? Well, you know, we, we certainly know that it's going to look a lot like the last farm bill, and, and it certainly does. We, li- we like the part that we're going to, uh, you know, use the RMA data in all, in all of the, uh, instead of the NAS data, so we can have the same baseline going forward. And that's so very important because in the last, uh, the last farm bill, some, you know, some counties across the country didn't get enough NAS uh, surveys sent in, so they didn't have a county yield. That was, you know, uh, disastrous for some of those farmers in, in those uh, counties. We also, you know, want to want to make sure that uh, crop insurance goes forward because a uh, you know, robust crop insurance program is so, you know, extremely important to uh, you know the farmers across the country. You know, going in, uh, you know, most of the bankers require crop insurance, and and we we don't want to see the, uh, the the subsidy part of that because we know that it's a private public insurance, and we know that that has to go forward because uh, crop insurance as a whole. Is way too expensive for a farmer to uh, to afford to be able to buy if we don't have some help. So we, we just know that there's different levels of that, and, and we want to keep going. Uh, we also have the uh, MAP and FMD, which is the uh, Foreign Market Development and the Market Access Program, which helps fund our, our export programs. And we want to you know make sure that those programs are so are fully funded because we know going forward that trade is so terribly important also to us. We would rather sell our grain, you know, get our money from the market rather than uh, getting our, our money from a government program. And so uh, those are just a few of the things, but the uh, the RMA uh, data is, is one of the main things that we're looking at right now. Yeah, speaking of RMA, you got a familiar face there, former NCGA president Martin Barbary. We sure do. Martin uh, got a post. He's the RMA administrator, and I think uh, April 30th, is when he uh, uh, took office. I know that he was sworn in the, the week after that, and we're really happy to have Martin in there, really proud, and we know he'll do a great job. All right, Kevin, let's talk trade. We've got two fronts here, waiting to see what's going to happen with NAFTA and also hoping for some uh, resolution with the uh, dispute with China. I mean, these are uncertain times for trade. Well, they, they certainly are, and... And, and like we've, we've been talking, we're kind of piling things on. We have an RFS issue. We have a farm bill that we're trying to get forward. And, and we're also trying to, you know, get these trade uh, issues uh, all taken care of. NAFTA, you know, to the national corn growers, you know, is probably one of the more important. Uh, our, our, our markets to the north and to the south, Canada and Mexico, are so very important. Mexico is our number one export partner for corn. We know that we have a good relationship with them. You know, uh, Texas and Mexico, we can we can rail corn to Mexico. We can truck uh, corn to Mexico. It's just a very good deal. We know that we are a favored, uh, you know, uh, com- or a customer of, of Mexico, and we want to keep it that way. And we just hope that these uh, last few uh, rounds of negotiations for NAFTA come out with a, uh, you know, something good for agriculture, because we know that, that ag has a positive trade uh, deficit, you know, with with the United States, and we want to keep that going. We heard from Ranking Member Colin Peterson the other day when I asked him about 
what was he hearing from farmers back home? He said, very little on the farm bill, more about RFS and trade. What are you hearing from corn grower members when you talk with them? What's uh, the top of their priority list? Well, I, I think you're right. Yeah, you know, so so the RFS actually, you know, that that consumes quite a bit of time with national corn growers. Uh, trade trade is the other one, and I I think the the conception is that the farm bill going forward, you know, it, it's you know it, it's been put behind some of the other things, uh, some of these other scandals that are that has happened, and it's just been hard to get, you know, put out on the floor of the House and the Senate. We know that, you know, the RFS and and the NAFTA negotiations have been ongoing, and, and we just need to make sure that that the RFS, you know, we have to, you know, take care of this RIN issue that we've been talking about. We need to take care of the uh, RVP. That would be certainly uh, beneficial to corn growers. And if we could get these trade deals, you know, all buttoned up, then we could then take care of the farm bill, I believe. Then uh, now an issue, in fact, we were talking about this on the program yesterday, uh, another issue now, uh, we're, we're seeing the proposal out there for labeling of bioengineered products, and that certainly impacts agriculture moving forward, too. Oh, it certainly does, and we, you know, we're very concerned about that. Uh, we've, we've had discussions on that at the National Corn Grower Board level, and, and you know, we... You know, meat meat is meat, and and we want to you know make sure that it's labeled that way, and and we we believe that uh, you know that that this this isn't the way to move forward, and we and we hope that this can come to a good conclusion also. Well, you picked a, a kind of a busy time to be president of National Corn Growers, right? You got you got a full plate. We're certainly juggling you know juggling a lot of balls in the air right now. You know, we talked about just a few of them this morning. You know, I thought we'd be spending the whole year talking about the farm bill, and and really we we haven't really even gotten into the the full discussion on that, and that hopefully is in the next few months. But you know, there's a lot of things that have taken the oxygen out of the air, and and Senator Cruz's attack on on uh, you know biofuels and and the RFS has been front and center for uh, months now, and and we just need to. You know, make sure that uh, coming out of that meeting today, that the president uh, follows through on his commitment to be supportive of the RFS and to the uh, nation's corn growers and farmers in general. And and then, you know, like we just talked, trade is so very important. You know, we I, I can't stress enough how our farmers would all rather get their income from the market than from government programs. And I think we have to work hard on those on those issues. Yeah, you think you kind of know what the big issues will be for the coming year, but uh, other things usually uh, come up that uh, will uh, take a lot of your attention. That's certainly happening right now. Well, Kevin, thanks yeah. a lot. Hope uh, hope the weather permits you to get back out there to the field soon. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate your time. Take, uh-huh. Kevin Skunas from North Dakota, president of the National Corn Growers Association. By the way, high-level trade talks between the U.S. and China we here will pick up again next week in Washington, so we'll be watching that very closely. Another planning update coming up next. We're going to go to Northeast Nebraska. Greg Anderson will join us next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Do you need a car? 
been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home. But with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room, weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for Four Seasons Now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache. Or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented MyPillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual regardless of sleep position. MyPillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. Minnesota with a 10 year warranty and you can wash and dry my pillow and here's my best offer ever get four my pillows for the price of one that's right get four my pillows two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code 
farm 11 get four my pillows for the price of one call 800-871-7280 and use promo code farm 11 go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code farm 11 reason number 12 why you should own a thermospas hot tub they require no attachment to your home's plumbing thanks to the thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, welcome back. We continue with our planning updates. We go to northeast Nebraska now. Joining us is Greg Anderson. Greg, are are you in the tractor right now? I am, Mike. I'm putting beans in the ground. It's going really well. Uh, You know, we're kind of uh, looking at some showers possibly to later this week, which that would be most welcome as well. So uh, we'll we'll work around that if that happens. But a lot of seed is going in the ground right now. How much do you have done? Actually, I'm about two thirds done, and I have all soybeans this year. So I'm in a probably a good, pretty good spot. I think last year, as I recall, I didn't get uh, really going till about the fourth or fifth of May because we had a May first snowstorm and a lot of cold, wet weather. This spring was late as well, Mike. Uh, you know, through mid-April there, it just looked like spring was never going to come, and uh, finally it, it turned, and everything is working really well now. Yeah, you are all soybeans, so uh, uh, when you look at that planting date, there's a lot of talk now about, you know, planting date and impact on, uh, on, on yield. Uh, how do you... When you look back over the last uh, few years, when you've been able to get in and that and that uh, how it turned out in the end, uh, what do you look at as far as planting time, what works best for you? Yes, uh, those are very good things to consider as, as I've been growing beans throughout my career, I guess, and a lot of folks have been growing beans for a long time, but certainly... Uh, the the yield advantages for planting beans early are undisputed, I believe. Uh, soybeans are a plant that responds to sunlight and the lengthening of days, and so the more uh, green leaves and foliage you can get out and growing early while those day lengths are, link, are, are lengthening here until about the third week of June, uh, it's so critical. Uh, that's when uh, yields are are often determined, and, and uh, you know really benefits uh, getting early planting. So like to target that I, I look back on my beginning stages in my farming career and always kind of circled may 20th to begin and now that's you know bumped up 30 days earlier now with the seed treatments being a, a priority to, to plant in cooler soils and uh, ward off uh, insects and disease it's really good technology to use and and help us to get in those fields early and, and get it going now 
you've been all soybeans for uh, for quite a while now. What are the what do you feel are are your biggest challenges to going all soybeans? What have you learned from that? Well, I've learned probably, Mike, that uh, as varieties keep changing and getting you know more yield enhancement and so forth, that's been a a real plus. Some of the challenges, though, that I think I've found, is, especially in these last several years, is just soil fertility. It's just really key, I think, with any crop to make sure your not only N, P, and K levels are where they should be, but your micronutrients, uh, things such as manganese, things such as uh, uh, boron and, and zinc and sulfur and all those things are at optimum levels. I know talking with some of the yield champions across the country who have had phenomenal uh, bean yields, it's, uh, it's something that they're absolutely focused on. And that's uh, one of the challenges that I've uh, helped, it's, you know, been uh, benefited from. But uh, another one is, of course, the weed pressure. It doesn't matter uh, what, uh, what uh, you're growing, you're going to have weeds. And so uh, now with the technologies such as Extend, Liberty, and, you know, even the Roundup, uh, there's usually a package there that will work for most people in, in most parts of the country. But do you have more weed pressure uh, going with all soybeans year after year? Not necessarily, Mike, and yet I do have some problem weeds. What I've uh, always, you know, ascribed to is the three pre strategy, putting down a pre uh, with um, different modes of action uh, before I plant. Uh, that's a, a big key to, to, to the success of the year. And certainly um, a burn down uh, with that uh, takes care of anything. With being no-till, it's uh, often a challenge, uh, you know, with, this, with mare's tail and, and some of your uh, ragweed and, and things that are becoming more common. Late in the season, uh, some of your broadleaves, such as water hemp, is, is, is there. But um, just staying on top of it, you know, that's what uh, I try to do. And as I look out across the soybean fields now that were soybeans last year, uh, they're they're very very clean and it's a good start to the year and uh, you know you just want to keep it that way you don't want any competition with with the soybean plant. So you're all beans and all no-till. That's correct, Mike. Yep, I uh, have uh, watched uh, those organic matter levels uh, rise slowly. I did an interesting thing. My farm has been in the family for 145 years this year. I have some native prairie that I took a soil sample with just to see what the nutrient level was because it's never been been farmed. And that organic matter was near 6%. Uh, other nutrients were just off the charts. It was just phenomenal. And then I look at my, my fields that I've been, you know, working with, and I remember uh, 25 years ago some of my organic matter uh, levels were 2% or lower. Now it's uh, with no-till, uh, 3.5% to 4%, so I'm gaining on that slowly. Certainly you can't gain as fast with beans as you can with other root crops like corn because soybeans have about one-fifth the root mass that, that, that corn does, but you can gain on it. And uh, you know, no-till saves moisture, saves time, and it's just a good way to go. All right, so you're going to get cranked back up there uh thanks for taking time to to talk with us uh today how long do you think you know weather permitting how long do you think it'll take you to get done well you know uh, looking at probably this week I, i should wrap up however if it would rain tonight or or thursday night like they're predicting i won't complain at all it's good to have a rain delay and kind of watch the planning game from the from the uh, soybean dugout at times you can kind of get uh 
everything ready to go when it does dry off. One thing about this, Mike, like my, my dad and my grandpa always used to say, it'll always dry off, so uh, we'll, we'll get it in. And knowing you, you've got meetings to go to probably. <laughs> well, not until about a biodiesel meeting late in June, so okay. uh, enjoy being on the farm until now, but uh, yeah, always things uh, happening, Mike. I know you'll be watching this RFS meeting today, too. Oh, absolutely. Uh, my my ears are tuned to the radio to see the latest developments, that's for sure. All right, Greg, uh, thanks for being with us, and uh, good luck finishing up with the planning. Thank you very much. All right, Mike, thanks. Always a pleasure. Take care. Greg Anderson, Farms in Northeast Nebraska, as you heard, uh, all soybeans, all no-till. All right, so a couple of uh, planning reports today from North Dakota and from uh, Nebraska planting rolls on tomorrow here on AOA. We'll get some reaction to this White House meeting today on the RFS and keep you up to date on trade and farm bill and other issues as well. So I hope you'll be with us. Thanks for being with us today. I'm Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Have a great day, everyone. Around 3500 BC, someone used basic tools and slabs of wood to invent the wheel genius. In 1879, Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. Genius. In 1899, a Norwegian with degrees in electronics, science, and mathematics invented the paperclip. Genius. There's genius, and then there's pure genius. At BASF, that's what drove us to develop Ingenia herbicide, our most advanced dicamba formulation ever for dicamba-tolerant cotton and soybeans. It gives you a low-volatility solution at the lowest dicamba use rate ever offered providing an additional site of action to outsmart the toughest weeds, even the glyphosate-resistant ones. Grow smart with Ingenia Herbicide from BASF, a flexible solution that's pure genius. Talk to your representative today. Learn more at IngeniaHerbicide.com. BASF, we create chemistry. Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA-restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label directions. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat, I would flip-flop all night long, I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed, it's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing. Manufacturing my home state of Minnesota, I have a 10-year warranty, and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever: get four my pillows for the price of one. That's right, get four my pillows, two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four my pillows for the price of one. Call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code FARM11. 